Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. Thanks for tuning in to Social Jello with Angelo. My name is Angelo Ferrer.、Uh, if this is your first episode,、uh, thanks for tuning in. I've been doing this for about a year now, and I just want to take a real quick moment to thank my listeners.、Uh, I just hit 66 subscribers on YouTube. That's amazing.、Uh, I, d- I never knew it would grow how it's grown, and I really appreciate that. If you ever want me to answer a question on the show about psychology, Feel free to hit me up.、Uh, for those of you who are new to the show, I have a master's of science in psychology, and that's kind of the perspective that I kind of the lens I use to present topics and ideas and interviews from.、Um, feel free to hit me up at thesocialjello at gmail.com. That's the T H E social S O C I A L G E L O at gmail.com. Hit me up if you have any questions. I'm more than happy to answer them. If you ever want to be on the show, you can hit me up there too.、Um, recently, I was able to become an affiliate with Amazon. I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but if you like the show, please, 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 please go to the website. It won't cost you anything. Go to my social jello website where you got this podcast, or if you're getting this from iTunes or Blueberry or one of the other many other podcast internet stations out there. Uh, please check out my website at www.socialjello.com.、Um, and you can go there. You'll see a little Amazon link. You click there. You do your shopping. I can't, I don't know anything about, you know, it doesn't, <laughs> it, it's, there's no scam. There's nothing, it doesn't cost you anymore. It, just by clicking there, it just sends a little bit of money my way for advertising for Amazon on my website. Uh, if that's a little too much for you, I understand. Like going to a website, it involves time that you may not have. <laughs> uh, then at, do me a favor, go to iTunes and write a quick review if you can.、Um, hopefully, something nice and not how much you hate me. But, you know, it's up to you. <laughs> um, those are just some ways that you can support the show, which is much appreciated. Again, thank you to all my listeners. I'm going to try to pump out at least two of these a month. As you know, I'm just a guy in my office doing podcasts because I love to share information. And I hope that my listeners can do the same. If you have something that you are an expert in and you want to be on the show and share some information, hit me up on my Gmail and enjoy the show. This episode, I'm going to go over why I don't like four minute videos explaining historical information. I hope you enjoy it. Check it out. On this episode of Social Jello with Angelo, I'm going to be going over why I don't feel that four minute videos on YouTube are long enough to completely understand a concept and change your worldview. Now, I'm also going to be going over some of the psychology behind it. To kind of go into some context, As to why I feel this way.、Uh, it kind of all started when the other day I noticed that one of my friends shared a YouTube video on how the pyramids were built. And I thought that was pretty cool because personally, I like 
I'm not a history major, but I like to listen to a lot of different shows about history, different podcasts by people like uh, Daniel Bolelli, who's a history professor, and um, also Dan Carlin, who's a uh, he's a he's an interesting cat because he's got a podcast and he used to be a broadcaster, and he got fed up with the F not not the FCC, but he got fed up with the broadcasting industry. Because he felt that what the broadcasting industry was doing was selling you information that they felt can captivate you in a short amount of time. And he had a broader message to be that he wanted to put out there. And he also didn't want to be biased. And he has a really great way of presenting history. And he, I mean, to give him some credit, he's got an undergrad in history. Uh, I think it's military history. Um... But, you know, long story short, he developed a podcast where he reads a bunch of books, like over 60 books, sometimes over 100 books, just for one topic, uh, whether it's whether it's the World War or World War One or World War Two, or if it's about the history of Genghis Khan, whatever it is, he goes into this long, these long research sessions. And that's why he actually doesn't have that many episodes. And he's been around for a long time. But he's uh, he doesn't have as many episodes as some of the other podcasters that are out there. But um, the idea is that it takes him a very long time to give someone an unbiased perspective about history. Because in history, it's really easy to make someone either look like a complete villain or a complete hero, or uh, almost like a legend, if you will. And it's really difficult to discern the two. And if anything, if you know anybody's full life, undisclosed, without any bullshit, without them trying to hide who they really are, you're always going to find out that there's certain aspects of people that you like and you don't like. A good example of this is think about your parents. You might you love your parents, or you might hate your parents, depending on <laughs> how your relationship is with them. But even if you, let's take the example of you loving your parent or a family member. There's always, it's always a bittersweet. It's never 100% when you think about your life and your experiences with someone that you've known your whole life. There, it's not going to be all roses. There's always going to be a few dark things or a few things that, some rough times if you will. This happens in long-term commitment marriages as well, right? Like when you marry someone and you've been married for a very long time, you love them. You love them very much, but there'll always be those times that they kind of irk you or annoy you, or there'll always be some times that you think back, some of the darker times or the not-so-good times when you had those arguments and you said those things that you regretted and they said those things that they regretted. Point being, nobody's perfect. But when you look at history, it can be really easy to nitpick only the good or only the bad and create a character. They're no longer really a person now, it's a character. And this can happen also with historical events as well, where people will grab history and they'll present it just from their perspective. So if they're an academic scholar, they'll only come at you with their academic resources and their scientific data that's based and very dry, very, very dry, very hard to read, very accurate, but very hard to read for your average reader. Your average person has to read other books to understand the words that they're using, and they lose their audience real quick. And that also, 
they don't really have any room for the those questions that may not have an answer. Like when you're talking about deep history or when you're talking about things like the pyramids, there's there's some historical data that's really hard to pinpoint as far as, well, when did Egyptians, before they came up with their hieroglyphics, before they started writing, before when they were still in the evolving stages as a society, like there's a lot of, from there, there there's a lot of speculation and at the same time, they try to bring in historical data and they try to use what they know about other cultures to kind of piece together a map. But there is still some unknown questions. There's some things like that we that maybe science won't have an answer for. Why, why did the Egyptians have so many gods? Not just the sun god, but many other gods. And how did they come up with all of these theories from their perspectives? Those are questions that science can't exactly answer. So I'm not going to say that science is your foolproof. I love science. I'm a scientist. Um, I have a master's of science in psychology. But I will step back and say that science doesn't always have all of the answers either. There's some questions that science is still answering today. And I'm not, to, I'm not trying to say that theology is where you can find these answers. That's totally up to you. Because again, my opinions don't matter. The reason I make this podcast is because I would like my listeners to be able to broaden the way they see the world outside of categories and influences. And I try my best to try to present to you thoughts and ideas that hopefully will inspire you to think differently when you see things on YouTube or on Facebook or on the internet. And hopefully try to get you to break out of your box, break out of your labels. If anything, I really hope my listeners can break out of their labels. A lot of people want to have prepackaged ideologies. That's actually something from Daniel Bolelli when he was talking about his podcast on uh, Roosevelt and about how um, back then what we would consider liberal and conservative or what we consider a Republican or a Democrat is very different to what it is today. Um, and that's because people really gravitate towards labels. And I have tried my best not to. Uh, at the end of the day, people still label me and I still have some identities that I might be resonate that I might resonate with, but I try my best not to label myself. Long story short, this podcast and all the other podcasts out there are really unique because we're not regulated by some agency. We're not regulated by some media company. Maybe some people are, maybe some of the bigger podcasts are. I can't speak for all of them, but for the most part Many of us do whatever the fuck we want, that we can say whatever the fuck we want. That's why we have our podcasts, because we don't want to be told what we can and cannot say, what will and will not sell. And that's what's going on right now when you listen to the radio, is you're just being sold. You're being sold a character, you're being sold a person. Maybe there's some great people, I'm not going to judge them, but what I am going to say is that it's being prepackaged for you in a way that they think will that you will like, so that they can make money off you. That's the main point. That's why they have advertisements. Is It's all about their advertisements. Not to say that you know podcasters don't have to do the same. They have to make a living. We have to make a living. So we do end up with some advertisements that we have to put out there to try to make something happen. But at the end of the day, when we're actually presenting our message, it's our fucking message. And that's what I think is great about podcasting. Now, well, another thing about it is already, like right now, if you're, if you're listening to my podcast 
you know, you already know that a podcast doesn't last four minutes. If you're watching this on YouTube, you already clicked out. If you're still around, whoa, wow. Well, kudos to you for sticking around because we're already at nine minutes. And I would have, you know, most marketing companies would tell me that that was, there's no way uh, that anybody's attention span can last. And that comes from a lot of, uh, a lot of psychological research that came from media companies that were trying to figure out what is the average attention span of someone on the internet and they brought it down to anywhere between two and four minutes with two minutes being ideal like if you can get if you can get your point across and your idea across in two minutes then you most likely you can get the most views you're gonna get the most completed video clicks however the fuck they measure that shit and from there that's how they can actually quantify whatever they're trying to quantify to make more money off you. And they did lots of research studies and and you know with with control groups to see what kind of what the perfect format was for this. And this doesn't just come from the internet by the way. Um when I was uh when I was younger, I used to be in a band and uh we made a lot of, you know, we made a lot of different types of songs. And when we started working with a bigger producer and this guy was uh at the time uh, he was pretty big. The, our band was a punk rock band, uh, kind of like a pop punk. We we didn't have well, yeah. Most of the music we pumped out was like pop punk, if you want to label it as something. Again, with me and labels, but we made all kinds of music. And the first thing the producer told us was, first of all, you gotta pick something. You gotta label yourself. What are you? What kind of music are you making? Because you're gonna lose your audience if you don't tell them what kind of music you are. Like, imagine the Beatles being asked. What kind of music are you? Like, what? What are you? Are you? Are you? Are you rock and roll? Are you hard rock? Right at the time back then, you know, you know, they they were go they were in uncharted territory with their music and their music. If you listen to like their first album and then their second album, they took some vast changes in the way they would make their music. Um, that I don't know if nowadays people would have the attention span for. And if you most of their music, you know, some of their songs were quick and short some of them were really long but by the time I got into the music industry the music industry itself became just that an industry and they figured out the same thing that these people that did the marketing research figured out that in two minutes two minutes if you can make a song two and a half minutes tops uh, chorus verse chorus whatever story you got to say wrap it up in two and a half minutes it's the ideal time to keep someone's attention and for them to like your song if it's more than two and a half minutes, then you're going to lose the majority of your audience. And that's something that came up from marketing research for music. And I see it being applied now to people that make YouTube videos. And what can I say? It has to do with, with human attention span and, and how it works. And that's, that's what, if you look at my notes, I have, I'm going to, on the notes on my website, I have the research that comes, that I'm talking about right now as far as the marketing data and how they advise people to make, to try to market out things that take two minutes to produce, to try to get people to to watch the whole thing. And that's you know again if if you're if you if you adhere to this format and that works for you, that's great for all you YouTubers that are doing an excellent job. Um, that's pretty much YouTube right now, and that's great. It's entertainment, but that's just not me, um, and that's not what I like to listen to. Uh, I I don't. Most of the stuff I listen to takes take they the person breaks it down and takes literally hours 
to explain a especially like the history podcasts they take two to four six hours to relate what happened who was involved and the reason is in my opinion is when you're talking about history it shouldn't take you four minutes to relate something about history and that's what i see a lot of right now like bam 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 this happened this happened that happened this happened and then boom and then they message and then political message behind and sell 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 think 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 this way and i fucking hate that shit one of the other things i noticed recently was uh thanksgiving just came by and an influx of videos of people talking about how thanksgiving is the celebration of a false holiday because the pilgrims killed a bunch of native americans and native americans now now they celebrate a time of mourning during thanksgiving and it's true there are certain tribes that do celebrate thanksgiving as a time of mourning but the skewed part about that video was it wasn't the pilgrims that did that it was the puritans and there's a difference between pilgrims and puritans if you and i i learned this from studying native american history in college it's not not to say that what they did later was wrong i mean right it was definitely wrong but to kind of broad stroke history and now say even in the video that native americans as as like as as if native americans all of them all the tribes are united in this one in this one thought process of celebrating the mourning of their history well you know i'm sorry like i have i'm puerto rican and they just discovered that puerto ricans are running around with more than 70 percent uh native native genes right so the tainos we have more than 70 percent meaning that we if if i like if we're looking at this and there's this this is another discussion that came up in our native american history class was well what makes a native american is it the phenotype can a white person be a native american and you see that a lot right you, you'll be talking to some white folk and they're like well i'm a i'm a fifth i'm an eighth cherokee or a 16th and there that discussion came up in class and some 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 tribes felt that it has to do with how you feel and how you live your life and and those some of those tribes if back then like back in the day when tribes were still running shit they would actually adopt some white folk into their tribes there has been many cases in history where white folk got adopted into a tribe because they accepted the cultural values and practices of the tribe and the tribe treated them as one of their own and they didn't want to leave there's uh there's one case with a Spaniard that got back in the day, we're talking about early colonization, and this Spaniard got adopted by a native village that later got attacked by other Spaniards, and he fought Spaniards and ended up dying fighting other Spaniards after he got adopted by the village. And it took, he was in the village for, he became part of the tribe. He was there for over 30 years. So, again, some some native tribes feel that it's about how you live your life to say that you're native and that this whole idea of saying that you're an eighth or you're a quarter um or like i just said like the genomes the genome project that found that puerto ricans are over 70 percent or more um have the genes of the tainos people 
to say that we're indigenous people. Um, a lot of people say that that's kind of a, well, from the native perspective, that's a white man's rule. That's what some of them felt because they felt it was more about how you lived your life as a culture. And that whole idea of the blood quantum, that, that came from the days of slavery and from the days of when they were trying to figure out, well, do you have rights? Like before, when we had people during the days of slavery and uh, during the same time when the native populations were being wiped out, a lot of the government was trying to figure out who would be native and who's white. And the more white you were, the more rights you had as a citizen. So if you had, an, I think it was an eighth or a sixteenth, I'll, I'll check out the notes, but if you had a certain, to not fuck this up, <laughs> if you had a certain percentage of a white bloodline coming from your father, you'd be accepted as white. And what this meant when people talk about passing as white, what this pretty much meant was you'd be treated as a white person in the times when if you weren't a white person, you'd be put on a plantation to be a slave or an indentured servant. And that's where this came this is that's where this came from. So again, a lot of these concepts, when you see these tribes or some tribes do mourn their history, because Puritans did wipe them out around the same time as Thanksgiving, a few years later. Uh, there's a lot of history behind that. Um, one of the things that happened was the peace treaties were kind of fucked up. Uh, Squanto met up with the pilgrims and began some sort of negotiations of a peace treaty. But years later, when the pilgrims started coming in, it didn't apply to all the tribes. And the reason that warfare started was mostly because the tribes had a different outlook on life from the Europeans. Whereas the European settlers would come in and put up fences and bring in livestock. Uh, we're talking about hunter-gatherer societies and they would migrate. So they, would, uh, they, would, they wouldn't stay in one spot the way the settlers would to kind of rough out the winters. They would migrate to warmer climates. And they didn't put up fences because of their worldview. And they didn't feel they owned anything. They felt they owned an uh, area. Uh, they, they had a territory. But as far as having like actual property lines, they didn't have that concept. And that's where a lot of the, that's where a lot of the indiscrepancies came in. It was mostly over theft. Uh, some people from the native populations would, since they didn't see a fence as a boundary, um, when they would see livestock or, or even if someone or if they were hunting and what they were hunting jumped into someone's property, they wouldn't hesitate to kill it because they felt that all the land belonged to everyone. And that's where the indiscrepancies started. So, again, it had to do with worldviews, not to justify what the Puritans did. What the Puritans did was horrible. But the Puritans are the same people that were actually persecuting the pilgrims back in back in England. So, I mean, they weren't exactly nice people, but at the same time, they have this thing called cultural relativism that they talk about in history, where we can't exactly judge people's societies to today's standards of a society. People lived in a different world. Back then, if a, if a boat showed up with people, new people, they weren't, pe they weren't people on a cruise. You know, these people were there most likely to kill and to take over. That's just how it was back then. It's hard for us to understand that in 2017 when I'm telling you this on the on the internet and you're probably watching this on your smartphone. But to try to judge 
cultures to nowadays standards, whether it's the Puritans or the Native Americans, it that's where we end up in a real touchy subject. And right there, it kind of gives you an idea that how how this four-minute video, real quick, if the message was to talk about the mourning of this one tribe, that's awesome. You know, it's great that this tribe is taking time during during this time right here, this time of year, to talk about some of their experiences and how they and why they see Thanksgiving as a time of mourning. But the historical aspect of time goes way beyond that. Um, we go. We have to go further back to see what Thanksgiving meant to other people. And for some people, yes, Thanksgiving was a time where people did try to work things out. But that doesn't exactly take away from the history that the natives had. It shouldn't. And neither should it take away from the history that the pilgrims had and Europeans have. And when you think about how how Americans celebrate Thanksgiving today, and they're trying to make it as a time when, when they think about a time when Americans tried to include diversity in a world where diversity was not accepted at all by anyone. It wasn't accepted by, by Native Americans. It wasn't accepted by Europeans. There were people who just weren't living in peace. Let me ask you this. Are people living in peace today? Really think about that. Right now, are people living in peace? Can you honestly say that people are getting along? Just in the U.S., looking at the divisiveness of politics. Now, think about history. Can we really think about a time when people got along? When people were living at peace? And some people will argue and say, oh, there was this one tribe or that one tribe or... I read this one book, or I've been told this one story, and I'm sure they were peaceful to a certain degree, but there's not enough documentation to prove that there's ever been a utopian society. Maybe down the line there will be, but right now, if people are the way they behave now, and right now we're actually in a pretty good state. We're, I mean, people complain about divisiveness, but it's pretty amazing how divided the the US is right now and no civil war has broken out not to say there hasn't been some conflicts not to say that people are trying to spur conflict but really there was a time where when people didn't agree ideologically they would go grab their clubs and and knives and and swords and they would go to war it would be no question about what's going to happen next. And that's something that I think people nowadays kind of forget because we're so comfortable, right? We got running water, got electricity. So our basic needs are met. And that's something that's really big in psychology about how societies progress once their basic needs are met. So what I'm really trying to get at here is this concept that history is a lot more vast and the way videos are being presented are trying to in four minutes two minutes three minutes change your worldview or appeal to you 
really that's what they're mostly trying to do is appeal to notions that you already have. If you're someone who already leans very left, then they make a video that they know that you leaning very left are going to latch on to, enjoy, and watch. And that's one more view that helps them spur on whatever company or market or brand they're trying to market out there. And again, not to criticize people that do that, but I would hope that you can kind of try to think about why they're doing that. And the biggest problem about four minutes, especially when it comes to his history, trying to teach a historical event in four minutes, is that you're going to lose a lot of the historical context that comes along with all of that. So keep your mind open when you're watching these things before you go out there and you share them with all your friends. Try to make sure that, is this legit? Like, what the message they're getting across, stating these facts, are those facts really legit? Or is it just one of those quick things that appeals to you so you put it out there because you feel it'll appeal to others that think like you? And if anything, when I, when I read about something that I think is interesting or if I want to dive into something, I'll start getting books and reading books about it. Or I'll look for a podcast of someone who comes who's read a lot of books that can maybe relate to me the information they read in a format that I can digest in a shorter period of time than a few years, right? Because reading books do, does take a long time. So I'm not saying you have to read only books. There's some great podcasts, but it shouldn't take four minutes. It shouldn't take four minutes. It should take a lot longer than that because you want to get all the information to be able to come up with something factual. And, and this whole podcast that I'm doing right now on this topic, when I mentioned that I was doing this on, um, on my Facebook and I put the example about the pyramids, people started arguing immediately. How were the pyramids made? They were made by aliens. They were made by they were made by the Egyptians. No, they were made by a more ancient civilization. No, nobody knows. And they immediately started debating and posting all these short articles and and quid bits about it. And all I wanted to say, like, it's interesting because when I immediately heard someone saying something about a more ancient civilization building the pyramids, um, I immediately asked them, okay, well, can you give me a source? And then they they were like, I'm not doing the research for you. Okay, that's cool. Well, can you at least tell me a book? What book did you get that from? And they couldn't tell me the book. And then they started posting some article to some blog. And then when I looked at the blog, again, there was no book. And not to say that books are the gold standard, but there, there was no historical reference to say that maybe this person just wasn't getting it from another blog. I chased down the information. They were quoting another blog. They quoted to another blog that kept talking about uh, what's that ancient astronaut theory which is some alien conspiracy theory so like again that's cool if you want to believe in conspiracy theories but please like bring in something some books and one person finally jumped in and recommended a book that I'm that I'm looking into right now about uh, pyramids that were built not just by the not really by the Egyptians by by another culture and I don't want to butcher the information because I'm still waiting for the book to come in on Amazon but either way that's what I think that's what I that's how I see the world like I try not to argue with people and I just try to say keep an open mind and if anything try to look up the sources and see where the sources are coming from if you can't find a legitimate source then you need to start questioning 
the information that's coming in. I'm not saying give up on the concept. If you want to believe in alien conspiracy theories, make or if you want to believe that aliens built the pyramids, cool. Just read some books about it and, and talk about why you feel that way. But to just say it because you feel that way, because I feel that aliens built something or I feel that aliens exist, is pretty much no different from people that use theology to say that you know they believe in. It, that the gods have given, bestowed them whatever information they have. Either way, keep that in mind. Thanks for checking out Social Jello with Angelo. Two episodes a month. And I'll catch you all later. Peace.